Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. We're going to continue our series on uh, all of me, where we've been learning that God tells us to discipline ourselves in godliness. And so those disciplines that he tells us to impart, uh, partake in are for us looking more like Jesus. So again, this is not about salvation. It's not about salvation. But if we want to be godly, if we want to walk like Jesus, if we want to exemplify Jesus, then we have to participate in certain disciplines in order to look like Jesus. This is not about stamping your ticket to heaven, but this is about walking out your faith and doing what God would be doing or Jesus would be doing if he wore your size shoes. If he lived at your address, if he went to your school, or if he went to your job, or if he uh, went to the grocery store to get toilet paper, what would Jesus be doing? And so we're going to continue that. Today we're going to talk about prayer. We were going to talk about prayer and fasting, but I wanted to take some time to really talk about uh, what's going on around us. And so be on the lookout for more content coming about the fasting aspect of prayer. But we really want to touch on prayer this morning. And I think that prayer is one of the most important disciplines. I mean, the, the intake of the Word of God, Bible reading and prayer, like they're, they're, they're running neck and neck, right? And every good believer should have a lifestyle that exemplifies, I am reading the Word of God so I can understand the heart of God, and I am praying with God so that I can commune with God. I'm praying with God so I can commune with God. The challenge, however, is surveys show that many believers don't spend a significant amount of time in prayer. Some of us, we just lob up prayers to God on our way out the door. Or we pray before we eat our food and we think that we are actually engaging in a life that is prayerful. Well, the Bible teaches us that prayer should be the most significant action that we have towards God. It teaches us that. Uh, and I think, here's the thing, I'm not going to press too hard on this this morning because I don't want us to fall into condemnation and conviction that we don't pray enough and then we don't pray. Anybody else have a lifestyle like that? Like I, I get so low, like I'm, and then some people, I've heard people say this, I've said this in the past, I ain't prayed with them before, now pastor talking about prayer, I'm not going to hop up there and act like I got a life full of prayer. You know who that is sticking to you? Your flesh. Don't listen to your flesh. That's flesh for the rest of us. Don't listen to your flesh. But my intent this morning is rather to talk about the benefits of prayer and what it truly is. We're going to talk about the benefits of prayer and what it truly is. And so here's one thing I want y'all to understand also. Prayer is expected. God is expecting us to pray. When you're in a marital relationship, husbands and wife, there are certain expectations in the marriage, right? Wives, don't be trying to talk about social distancing in this hour. Husbands ain't going for it. Oh, I forgot we're live streaming. I need to behave this morning. <laughs> Cut that, Brian. It's a 12-second delay. Can you chop it? Thank you. But Jesus sets the expectation. Do you not notice when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he often said, when you pray. When you pray. 
as you pray. He says, pray like this, because there's an expectation that goes along with us being believers that we are to fellowship and commune with God. Not only that, Jesus lived the lifestyle of prayer. Jesus being one with God, the Bible says that he often went alone to be with the Father in prayer. Now, surely if Jesus, Jesus, a part of the heavenly host, Jesus goes off to pray, we should be people who pray. Prayer should be consistent in our lives. It should be unwavering, the Bible says. It tells us that we should continue steadfastly in prayer, which means we're unwavering. We're not moved. When things in life come at us, we should jump into this attitude of prayer. God wants us to be praying in this hour when the world is panicking that we should be the ones that are praying. But often, so many times, we revert to our old nature and our old way of doing things, and we just begin to exist in our old lifestyle, and God is calling us to pray in this time. He tells us to pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean that I literally walk around all day praying, but I have a posture of prayer all the time. My my prayer with God just has a comma. It It never has a period. I get up from my morning prayer, and I'm on my way to work, and I remember something I was praying about this morning, and now I'm challenged, now I'm tested. I go back to God in prayer. We should have an attitude of unceasing prayer. So why are we challenged with prayer? Why are we challenged with prayer? I'm going to give you one right now, and this is not the only reason that we're challenged with prayer, but I'm going to give you one right now. I believe that we're, proud, uh, we're, we're challenged with prayer because we doubt its effectiveness. We don't think that the fervor, fervent and effectual prayer of a righteous man availed much. It does a lot of good. We don't believe it. We don't believe that when we go to God in prayer that he can actually give us sometimes the things that we're praying about. Maybe it's because sin in our lives. Maybe it's because our prayerlessness. But we don't go to God in prayer because we don't believe that God will actually answer our prayers. You would never go to a homeless person over here under the bridge in 35 in a tent and ask him for a million dollars. Why? Because you don't believe he has the ability to give you a million dollars. We have such a small idea who God is, we don't pray. We don't pray. And so many of us need to come to grips with we don't see prayer as something that's effective. But we need to enroll in the school of prayer with God. His disciples who walked with him and saw him doing miracles, they followed Jesus. And he said to them, they they came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, they were good Jewish boys. They had lived their lives and going around and, and, and doing Jewish stuff. They knew how to pray. But they were saying, Lord, teach us how you pray. Lord, teach us to pray effectively. Because we see when you pray, things happen. And so we need to enroll with Christ in the school of prayer and learn how to pray. Now, listen, I'm not saying that there are certain words that we need to say or there's a certain formula that we need to do. And I had a discussion with someone just this week where it's not about us coming together, two or three of us coming together. And because we got the numbers, God's going to answer our prayer. But it's about praying in accordance to God's will. Praying in accordance to God's will. How do we know God's will? Through his word and prayer. And so it's a catch-22. It's not that hard. We got to get into his word and prayer to know his will so that when we pray, we're praying in accordance to his will. It's real quiet in here. 
Why is it so quiet in here? Because we know that we are not praying according to God's will. And I'm not talking to you from some ivory tower. I fall short all the time in my prayer life because I get in God praying like, God, just please move the situation. What if God doesn't want to move the situation? So now you're not praying in accordance to God's will. If God just gave us this magic, this, this magical thing that we can do like some people will present it as, you can say, God, I'm sick of Rosie. Do something bad to her. I would never do that to Rosie. Love Rosie. But I could do that if that if so God is not going to just just answer all of my prayers. Because some of our prayers are not in accordance to who he is and what he is and how he is. And so prayer is about connecting and becoming disciples with Christ. And then we're praying his will, but we don't know his will because we're not in his word. And so prayer and the word go hand in hand. I'm going to add fasting. We're going to talk about fasting later. Prayer and the word and fasting are beautiful. And I'm all for social media fasts. I'm all for fasting from TV. But it's something about fasting from food. Especially in our selfie generation where we take pictures of our food. It's something about fasting from food. When you wake up in the morning and you're starving at 930, you're like, oh, Lord. How did anybody ever go without eating? By noon, you think you're finna die. But when you're not fasting, you can go all day. Have you eaten? Man, I ain't ate yet. But when you're fasting, the clock will just be ticking. Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. I urge us, I challenge some of us to just set a day aside this week and fast from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And don't just not eat, because not eating, that's just a, that's just a diet. Dedicate times when your stomach starts growling to pray. Dedicate the time when your stomach starts growling to pray for those who are vulnerable in our community. Did you know that uh, 25% of our community are food deficient? And this includes kids, and we live in the suburbs. 25%. And some people, we like, I'm a numbers guy. I'm like, well, that means 75% of people are eating. But the 25% who are not eating on a regular basis, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Fast a day for them. Just take a day, six to six. And every time you get a hunger pain, think about when those kids are getting a hunger pain. Because school is out right now. I was one of those kids. The only time I ate was at school for a season of my life. I got in a fight with a bus driver one day because he pulled over the bus and said, I ain't moving till you kids shut up. I say, man, they're going to stop serving breakfast. You better move this bus. Some kids are not going to be eating while school is out. It's not only about us. So pray for the people, the food pantries and the community, to, 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 for the leaders to be able to put something together so that those kids can eat. Prayer is not a magical pill. I want to give you a Sunday school answer, but this is what I'm going to tell you about prayer. Prayer requires that we know who we are. That, needs, that requires us to know whose we are. Prayer requires us to trust God, and that's what we say at this church. It's all about uh, learning to trust God, and so prayer requires for us to trust God. I don't go and ask somebody for something that I don't trust that they're going to be able to give it to me. And so a lot of us don't pray because we don't trust God. We don't believe God. 
We don't believe that he's attentive to our prayers. We don't believe that he waits in anticipation to speak to us so that he can speak to us. And finally, prayer requires surrender. And if you're anything like me, that's a toughie. Because I'm pretty educated. I got, I got some stuff on my side. I can do some stuff. I don't really need a whole lot of management, God. But prayer requires that I surrender and say, God, I'm, I can't do it. I'm dependent upon you. And if you say don't do it, Lord, I'm not going to do it. If you say don't move, God, I'm not going to move as much as I want to move the situation. A lot of us don't have the relationship with God that we should have because we just hop up and do it because we can do it. Instead of waiting on God and hearing what God would say about the situation, what God would do in the situation, we just go and we do. And then we get mad at God because God didn't come along and co-sign our mess. And so prayer requires surrender. It says that we are helpless and we need to understand that we are spiritually bankrupt. We're spiritually bankrupt. Amen. So now let's get into the meat of it. Somebody say, we ain't in the meat of it yet? What difference does prayer make? I think that James gives us some beautiful words about prayer that we can glean from and we can use in this season. What difference does prayer make? Some of us will say, some of this, of us, this is our theology, if God's going to do what God is going to do anyway, why should I pray? If God is going to do what God is going to do anyway, why should I pray? We can look in the scripture and see multiple occasions where God had set his heart to do something, but because of prayer, he changed his mind. Now, not that um, I don't want to get into like this, this, this inception thing because God knew that he wasn't going to, never mind. But as far as our perspective goes, God moved the needle. When Zipporah, Moses' wife, uh, interceded for Moses because God was going to kill Moses. She, I'm not going to tell you what she did. She did some, 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 some funny stuff, though. <laughs> Moses was going to do something, and she did it, and she interceded, and God spared Moses' life. King Hezekiah, he turned his heart back to God, and he prayed, and God added 15 years to his life. Prayer is effective. Prayer can move things. Jesus showed us in the boat on his way to the other side of the, of the lake. Torrential downpour, rain or whatever. Jesus stood up and said, peace be still. He changed the course of things because Jesus was perfectly fine laying on a boat on a wet pillar. God moves through our prayers. I forget who says it. It was a long time ago. They said, whoever it was that said it, they said, if God's power is a locomotive, which is back in the day they had trains were probably the big, most big, powerful things that were going around. If God's power is a locomotive, prayer is the train tracks. Sometimes God is not moving on our behalf or on other people's behalf because we're refusing to pray. And so God can do whatever God wants to do, but God chooses to use our prayers. I don't know why. I don't know why. But I can make a strong biblical case that God uses our prayer. 
if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will. We should be prayerful people. We should be prayerful people. Our prayer does not cause God to change his mind, but there's a mystery to it that God's will is associated with our prayers. First, let's talk about who we're praying to. We're praying to God. We're not praying to our dead ancestors. We're not praying to saints. We're not praying to big mama in heaven, whisper something to Jesus. No, that's not who we're praying to. We're praying to God. And by the way, he's the God of the universe. We're not praying to the universe, because I've heard that. We're praying to the God of the universe. Amen. We're not sending positive thoughts. Sending positive thoughts your way. You ain't got no, your thoughts ain't got no power. And I'm glad my thoughts don't got no power half the time. Because if I could, if y'all could see the stuff I think sometimes, I got a good filter though. So it's, it, it's, it's been a long time coming. The filter's there though. Sometimes. But we know we can't, I'm, I'm sending positive vibes to you. No. We're praying to God. We're praying to God. God is a person. We talked about this with the Holy Spirit. God is a person. He's not a thing. He's not an it. We don't understand his personhood because he's holy, he's righteous, he's separate, but he's a person and not a thing. We must first meet him in order to pray effectively. We must first meet him in order to pray effectively. Now, I'm not saying that God does not hear the prayers of sinners because God is gracious. So he just, but the Bible tells us that the rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. But if you want to be effective in prayer, you have to know God. I'm talking about really effective in prayer. Now, listen, I know this sounds uh, crazy to some people, but I don't want to stand before God and be like, I was a great communicator. I don't want to stand before God and say, I was a great husband and a great father. I don't even want to stand before God and say, God, I was a great pastor. I want to stand before God and say, God, I was a man of prayer. I was a man of prayer. You know why? Because when I become a man of prayer, all those other things follow. All those other things follow. So God's a person. He's a spiritual. Here's a spiritual reality. Prayer is communion with God. James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. I really want to put that all out there so that we're not thinking that I'm talking about something else when I'm talking about prayer. Amen? Prayer is communion with God. Watch James. I like James. James is reading our mail. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has, commanded, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, 
Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Listen to all that stuff that he just said about prayer. Prayer was the catalyst of it. Forgiving sins because of prayer. Healing because of prayer. Not that the elders have some tremendous power. Trust us, we know we ain't got no tremendous power. But it's something about God expecting this to happen that says when the elders pray upon those who are sick, they will be restored. I don't know how it happens. I don't know why it happens. I don't know what's going on. And sometimes the restoration is ultimately them going on to be with God. Because sometimes it's time for us to go. But what I do know is God hear prayer. And I just have to be okay with, I pray, God, you're going to do it. It's nothing about me. It's nothing about me. We will not start, y'all coming up here and I'm throwing my jacket at you. And because my jacket touches, you fall out. It's not about me. I have no power. I have no ability. I just have a walkie-talkie. I just have a walkie-talkie. The Bible says that effective prayers are prayed with oomph. That's the way I say it. Effectual, fervent prayer, oomph. You got to feel that thing. You got to feel it all down in your sha-na-na. And so if we're going to get to a place where we're effectively, fervently praying, we got to know God. Because I have to understand that, God, you are the God of the universe, and I'm praying in a way that is touching your heart, and you're going to do this thing. And I don't know why it does it, but it does it. I don't know. Now, I know we come from different backgrounds and settings, and some people are hearing things that I'm not saying, so let me reiterate. I'm not saying that just because I'm animated about it, God's going to answer. But I'm saying effectual, fervent prayers come from a place where I'm trusting God. Sometimes we pray prayers and God answers. Like the man whose son just kept, and nobody could help him. And God, Jesus said, do you believe? He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Sometimes we have some help our unbelief prayers. But those help on my unbelief prayers lead to fervent prayers. See, our problem is we just go to the help my unbelief prayer and stay there. I got to go, God, help my unbelief. God, help me. And God, I have to understand that you answer prayers one of three ways. God, you say yes, and those are the kind of prayers we like. And when we get the yes prayer, we might be incentivized to keep praying. But sometimes God says no. Well, if he's going to say no, why well, I'm going to pray. But then sometimes God says, not right now. Sometimes God says, not my timing. And we can't fully know in of ourselves the entire will of God. He gives us glimpses of the will of God. He gives us glimpses of the things that he wants us to do. But what he does is I can't know that God wants to bring Sister Gertrude home. And I'm praying God raise her up off that deathbed. And God wants to bring Sister Gertrude home because it's time for Sister Gertrude to come home because she's 957. And then we, we all some kind of way. Well, he didn't raise up Sister Gertrude. What he gave Sister Gertrude 957 years. And Sister Gertrude was ready to go. Have you ever seen some old folk? They're ready to go. They say, I'm tired. 
I'm ready to go to be with my Lord. Have you ever had to be around somebody who's faith like, I'm ready to go and be with my Savior? And y'all, the old folks used to say, y'all are holding on to me. I'm going to keep it moving. They're based on our relationship with Jesus. I believe sometimes we don't have those effective, effectual, my words are gone now, effectual fervent prayers because we have sin in our life, unrepentant sin. So that's why we should be in a, if we should be in a mode of always praying because always praying teaches us not to sin. The Bible says, may I hide your law in my heart that I might not sin against you. One effective way of praying when you don't know the words to pray is praying God's word back to him. And so I hide God's law in my heart that I might not sin against him. Sin is such a destroyer of our spiritual disciplines. And if you ain't been walking long enough, you just need to understand that I can just stand before God and say, God, help me to shun this sin in my life. And God is faithful and you hiding ain't going to do no good. God has a spiritual x-ray machine. He sees right through you. You might as well just agree with him and hurry up and get it on with. Anybody used to get whoopings when you were a kid? Remember you used to try to prolong those whoopings? But then you had a brother or a cousin, they just go in there and get it done. You're outside, I ain't going in there. He and they eating a lollipop, got my whooping. <laughs> but you're like, nah, I'm waiting till the sun go down. She might forget. She ain't going to forget. You're just prolonging the inevitable. When you're challenged with sin in your life, run to God. If you believe in God, run to God. Because we're all sin nerves. Shape in iniquity. We're all broken people. Run to God. That's what Jesus came for. That's the whole. That's why our faith is our faith. That's why we believe what we believe. That we're forgiven. But we act like God has like, 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 he, like he punched a hole and you go to Blockbuster. Well, you don't build up your Blockbuster card. You got the free video going on. His mercies are new Daily. And when we understand this, listen, I want to pray when I understand this. Listen, the Bible tells us that our relationship with Jesus is like the marital relationship. I don't know about y'all, but when my wife does something really, really nice for me, like really awesome for me, I just want to tell her thank you. Thank you for thinking about me. Especially when she gives you something that you really, really wanted and you've been dropping hints. And you come home and just sitting in the middle of the living room. You'd be like, for me? Thank you, boo-boo. What you want? You want some stuff? Let's go to your favorite spot. Let's go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Gonna make all the stuff large. Yeah, make the lemonade large. Go ahead. That's my baby. <laughs> right? We have to get to a place where we understand what Christ fully did, and that will make us people of prayer. We feel like we've got options, though. Well, I don't really have to go to God when I don't need to go to God. I just go to God when I want to go to God. And we use Jesus like an old spare tire. And you're going to be sadly mistaken 
Like the new cars now. My daughter got a new car. They don't even give flat. They don't even give you little dummy tires no more. They give you a can to fix a flat. But back in the day, you didn't think about that spare tire until you needed a spare tire. Anybody ever wanted to go to get a spare tire and the spare tire was flat? And that's the way that we are. We, we think about Jesus. We think about God. We think about prayer when we get in a tough spot and we need him. Truth of the matter is, we always need him. So it means we need to come to a place of surrender. Watch this. James chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. James chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. It says, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He's saying, listen, let that steadfastness have its work in you. Listen, bear up under the situation. Don't fall apart every single time something comes at you. What do we do when the first glimpse of disrespect coming? You see what they're doing to me now? Let me get Darius on the phone, man. I, he ain't, no, ain't going to believe this. Oh, Darius ain't answering. Okay, let's see who else is doing Let me call somebody. Stan. Stan has a good ear. Let me call Stan. Oh, Stan don't want to pick up the phone either. I guess I'll call him later. They ain't picking up the phone because Jesus wants you to talk to him. Say you're on the main line. Tell him what you want. If we start playing that song right now, we all be bobbing our heads and say, he on the main line, tell him what you want. But when situation, trials, and circumstances come in life, we start calling Billy and Bob and Jenny and Janie and everybody else. We don't call Jesus. God, give me perspective in this situation. God, let me see you in the midst of this. God, I don't understand what's going on, and I don't like it. God, is there something wrong with my heart? God, I feel wrong, but did I wrong the other person? It's something about going to God in prayer that you start, if you're connected with God, you start, start feeling some kind of way. I remember me and my wife used to have fights all the time when we were young. Well, we still have, we have, we have anointed conversations now, but we used to have fights. And I go in that room, I slam that door, I'm like, God, it's the woman you gave me. Don't understand. And I'll be, oh, God. And he, and he be just working on me. What about you? We're not talking about me right now, God. We're talking about Sister Anne Marie. One day he told me, he said, she's my daughter, not yours. I heard that clear. I don't, it wasn't the James Earl Jones verse, but I heard it right here. Oh, I felt it in my chest. I was like, oh, Jesus. And I was opening the door to come out the room to apologize to her. She was coming in the room to apologize to me. I was like, let me apologize first. No, I get to apologize first. God is effective. He moves. And if prayer doesn't do anything but change you in the situation, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I'm sorry. Verse 5. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Listen, he's not talking about stuff. He's talking about wisdom. So sometimes we use the scripture, go, he gives generously and without reproach. He gives us stuff. No, he said, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he'll give it to you. God will tell you why you're in that situation if you're attentive to listen. Ask Job. 
It took a bunch of friends to come and say the wrong stuff, but it finally got to the right stuff. Be patient. Listen, God, this situation is vexing me. Why am I here? I'm reading the word. I'm doing this. God will speak to your heart what's going on. He will speak to your heart what's going on, why you're in the midst of that fiery trial. And a lot of times, we don't want to go to God to prayer because God's going to say, uh, because of you. You run down the middle of I 35, you got hit by a car, and you wonder why you got hit by a car. Don't play in the streets. That's what God's going to tell you. All right, I'm going to keep moving. He'll give you wisdom concerning your situation. Listen, in these prayers of faith, it's not about mustering up faith. It's about having faith in the faithful one. And there's a fundamental difference. Some of us come from backgrounds where it's like, like we, we chase faith like faith is the thing that we should be chasing instead of God. And we talk about our faith. And I think that's why some of us are being kind of rude on social media right now about our faith. Because faith is the thing and we're not looking at God. We're looking at faith. And we're missing God. You ever been around somebody like, I got so much faith that I, until something happened to them. And their world come falling and crashing down. Again, ask Job. We be so high and puffed up about our faith, our faith. And it's like, God gave it to you. He gave you the ability to trust him. How are you boasting in that? I got to move. I'm sorry. I could talk about this stuff all day long. As you can see, I'm convicted as well. James chapter 3, I mean, James chapter 4, verse 3. Says that when we pray, we have to pray with the right motives. When we pray, we have to pray with the right motives. God, get me out of this situation. But if we're praying for God for wisdom and he asks us in a situation, we're not praying with the right motives. God, make it stop. But if we're praying for God's will and God says, I'm teaching you patience in it, and we're saying, God, make it stop, we're not praying according to his will with the right motives. We just wanted to stop. And God is trying to grow us up. Peter said, think it not strange that you go through fiery trials. Because these things are perfecting your faith. And so you want faith, but you don't want to go through the things to get the faith. But when you go through the things to get the faith, you understand that God's in the middle of the fire with you. We're trying to buy fire insurance. That I ain't got to go through the fire. But fire insurance don't mean you don't go through the fire. It means you're covered in the fire. Y'all tired. Y'all tired. We pray in obedience based on what God has spoken. Back to James chapter 5, 17 through 18. You say you're jumping around James. I told you James is good. And we're closing with this one. Closing with this one. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. A lot of times we be talking about 
Jesus. And you're like, of course Jesus was praying. It was Jesus. Duh. But Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed with some oomph. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Now, I'll <laughs> talk about a drought. Remember when the lake was low and we were trying to count, count the lake? Remember that? What was that? When the, we had the sometime islands out on the lake and the whole city was praying that the rain would come and we had these, all the pastors came and we were praying that the rain would come and the, we, did, we were just still seeing the sometime islands. That's what they call them, sometime islands on Lake Travis because the water gets so low. It was, what, was it 80 feet below where it was supposed to be, something like that? Maybe you got something like that. And then when it started raining, people were getting excited. It was like, 281. We need to get, you might remember that? Hey, man, this is what's going on. I'm just trying to give the context. And he prayed fervently that it might rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Watch this. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings, uh, uh, move, from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whomever brings him back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover the multitude of sins. He's talking about praying for those in our circles of influence who don't believe, but he's using the contextualization of Elijah praying and rain coming. Then praying again and rain stopping. Sometimes we're praying about ourselves and our self prayers aren't being answered. And God is trying to get us to pray for others. Why would he use this in the same sentence? Sometimes we believe that those sinners or people who are stuck in sin around us in our circles of influence are irredeemable. And we should be saying, no, 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 no. If Elijah can pray and God has shut up the heavens, and if he can pray again and it starts to rain again, there are people who I think are too hard for God that I need to just sit, get on my knees, and I need to just intercede for them. I need to pray for them. And it might not even happen where I see it, but God is at work with them. Listen, God wants everybody to be in heaven, regardless of, uh, of what, what, what some people will say. But a lot of people ain't going. And we don't know who was praying for us when we got saved. Because I know I was, I was minding my own business. I wasn't thinking about no God. I was, I wasn't thinking more about God than the man in the moon. Then all of a sudden I start having these unctions and like, like, what is going on? What is happening? And then I backslid. This was like when I was 13. Then I backslid. And then my wife began to pray for me because she started going to Bible study. She said, I need to, this heathen needs to get saved. She didn't tell me she was praying for me. And I started having these unctions again. And I was like, what is going on? And she told me, because I went to her one night and I said, I need a Bible. And she told me, she said, you know, I've been praying for you, right? What? She was going to this uh, interdenominational Bible study during daytime with these older women. And they were teaching her how to pray for me. They were teaching her how to pray for me. She was only going because it was free uh, child care. And she had two under four. You go watch the kids. I can hear and listen to the Bible. Deal. And they began to teach her how to pray. Teach her how to pray. Teach her how to pray. Say this. 
do this. Don't get mad at them. Don't do this. It was a war room, kind of, but not the war room, but kind of. And like I say, and I was out there bad, y'all. I was out there bad. You, Rosie. <laughs> Prayer is important. Prayer is effective. And in this season, where people are losing their ever-loving mind, if anybody been to H-E-B, you know they're losing their ever-loving mind. For real. And we go grocery shopping every other day, every three days, because we don't like wasting food or whatever. And Emory sent me with a grocery list. Took Isaiah with me because he works at H-E-B and he knows where everything is. And we were going to make some beans and rice and some other stuff. And, and so we went down the bean aisle. And by the time I got down the bean aisle, all the beans were gone. I look over at Isaiah. He's going, Dad. Dude had a cart full of beans and beer. I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Me and Isaiah looked at each other and said, he look like he's packing, though, don't he? <laughs> Ain't worth them beans. <laughs> Texted Aunt Marie, Ain't no beans. She said, what they don't know is go to the Goya aisle. Anybody go to the Goya aisle? Hey! They got Big old cans of beans. <laughs> But they out there tripping, y'all. Literally out there tripping. Looking at you sideways. I accidentally coughed because I was parched. I was like, <coughs> everybody. <laughs> Just allergies. But this is a time for the church to raise up and be the church. This is a time for us to be praying. Take that opportunity at the grocery store when people are losing their mind to pray. Pray for the people who are stocking the shelves. Pray for the managers. Pray for the checkout people. Man, that little thing was going beep, beep, beep. And I looked at Isaiah. He said, man, I'm, I, I, I don't hear it no more. Like, it was just a consistent beep, beep. It was like a song. They were just getting people through. Pray for them. I think we're going we're gonna to make it. I don't think it's the end of the world as we know it. I personally don't. But I think we can be cautious. I think we're going to be mindful of other people. I think we can absolutely pray. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up for a few moments. And so in our reflection time right now, this is what I want us to do. Since we prayed at the start, I want you to sit in your space and think about the thing that's hindering you from being a person who's fervent in your prayer. And pray that God will help you identify some of those things that you can discipline yourself in. With the intention, with the intention that once it's identified, you share it with a trusted person who's going to hold you accountable to it. So whether it's, man, I just don't wake up early enough, I want you to share with a trusted person, I need to wake up 15 minutes earlier, I need to wake up 20 minutes earlier, and tell that person that's going to hold you accountable. So that person at the end of the week going to go, hey, how's your waking up schedule been going? Do you need me to call you? Listen, we're in this together, and we have to be the church in this hour. And so identify those things, confide in somebody, and give them permission to hold you accountable to it. Don't be snapping on them and not answering the phone stuff. 
Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.